Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I am Kevin Estella. I'm your host for the ad space this time around. And just want to mention a few advertisers that you might want to consider because they make this all possible for you. Uh, they're all considered good friends of ours and they're making this podcast free of charge. The first is Hoist Hydration. Uh, their website is drinkhoist.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-O-I-S-T.com. Hoist is uh, a really, really interesting product because it is an electrolyte uh, drink mix that is approved by the United States Department of Defense, and it's clinically proven to hydrate 110% better and longer than water. Hoist comes in five different bottled flavors and three powdered flavors. So if you guys are into high country backpacking, you might want to go with the powdered, but not a bad idea to keep some of the bottled flavors in your home for your post or pre-workout. It's good for exercise recovery, hangover relief, excess time in the heat and sun, travel, et cetera, et cetera. And it's formulated to absorb instantly, replenish your body with electrolytes, carbohydrates, and fluids you need without delay. Hoist is hydration you can actually feel. Now, compared to traditional sports drink drinks, Hoist has half the sugar, uh, it has twice the electrolytes, no artificial sweeteners, preservatives, or dyes, and here's my favorite part. It's made here in the United States. Please use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT10. Uh, you will get 10% off of your purchase. Another advertiser we'd like to bring attention to is Casey Highlights. I really, really appreciate what Casey Highlights has done to the off-road and the 4x4 community and providing really the industry standard off-road lights. Casey Highlights are on most of the vehicles that we have here at Fieldcraft Survival. Um, Casey Highlights makes a lot of different products. Vehicle lights for your bumper, for your light rack on top of your vehicle, inside the wheel well, you name it. Uh, there are even Casey highlights that you can use as lanterns, uh, and they last quite some time. If you guys go to the website, caseyhighlights.com, use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT, you're going to get 10% off of your order. Um, I always bring it up when I talk about Casey highlights, but I think every guy and every gal that's listening has seen Back to the Future. When Marty McFly opens up that garage, what does he see? He sees Casey highlights that just happen to be attached to a Tacoma. Check them out, guys. Final advertiser I want to mention is Triarch Systems. I am a someone I would definitely call uh, a gun aficionado. I like good cigars. I like good bourbon. I like fine firearms. And I will tell you that Triarch is way up there in the top one half of all 1% of firearms in terms of fit and finish. Their Tri-11 is a firearm that I mean, it just feels like it's built on rails. It feels like the slide and the frame are like glass. Um, really, really impressive firearms. The guys from Triarch come to a lot of our events. Good, good people. You can purchase complete firearms or you can build up your own uh, with like a custom you know, firearm builder. If you go to their website, triarchsystems.com, use the code FIELDCRAFT, you'll get 5% off of your order. And we're talking about custom firearms, 5%, that gives you a decent amount of ammo to break in your firearm, to become proficient with it and become a better version of yourself. So please check out Triarch Systems. Guys, without further delay, 
Here is today's podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome. It's Mike. I'm back on the podcast. Um, you, you heard the Kevin Estella podcast, me, Kevin Estella, pre and post with this 72-hour challenge. I challenged him on the post. If you didn't hear it, you should go back and listen. Uh, I advise you going back to 001, 200 plus episodes of the podcast that I started in my pajamas, by the way, on a bed talking into my phone. Now we're actually in studios and stuff. It's crazy. But um, I challenged him and one of my employees, a great employee that we have named Ricky, to do a 72-hour challenge, same deal, in the field, only catch, one bag between the two. Look, Kevin Estella is a survival expert. Ricky, she is not. So now he's going to have to guide her through this tour and carry things that are appropriate for the both of them. 72 hours is a long time. You know, if you if you navigate your... Uh, your your normal routine in that sense, you're sleeping seven, eight hours a day, but the rest of it, you're preoccupied with work, with listening to podcasts, the Phil Craft Survival Podcast, the Mike Force Podcast, um, and then you're consumed with all the things going on in your life. Rarely are you in a position to sit idle and not do anything, which is why I love that that we're doing a course in October we're giving people the opportunity to do 48 hours experience and a guided tour. It doesn't, we don't need to make it a suck fest, but we want you to experience what it's like to pack out one Ziploc bag, which is, by the way, the amount of things that you can carry on your physical person or body, and then go through that with us. Um, and also end on a breaking bread note where we break bread, talk community, build relationships, and get fat and happy together, to be honest. I mean, you're gonna be starving because you're, unless you bring a bag of Cheetos, which is very bold of you. Tender, you'll have at least tender, or is it Doritos, or maybe even Fritos. I think a Cheeto would work. So I'm excited about that. When we are talking about all these things, we are talking about one of the most difficult aspects of survival, and that is your mind, your brain. We are very much social primates. We're creatures of habit, and those habits include community. And so we want to talk, but what are you doing when you're all, all by yourself? Um, there's a couple of studies, one of them that was been, that's been highlighted by NPR that talks about this long track study. I think it's 60, 70 years going where they identified what makes people live the longest and what makes them happiest. And the answer is social communication or social relationships having friends, having people that you could build relationships with. That's so important. So another thing we talked about is having the right mindset. So a lot of people say warrior mindset, you know, and, and I, I jokingly say, you know, mindset is everything, but what else you got? Because mindset is a broad category, but how do we build tactics around this idea of mindset? So in survival, when I talk about mindset, I often discuss resilience. Resilience is a specific narrow field of mindset, but it's one of the most important ones. In short duration and long duration, what I mean is in short duration, where we're talking high intensity and short time, uh, a short window of time, then typically the stress is increased because you don't have a lot of time. It could be the vehicle accident where you see it coming 
you know, milliseconds away and then you're managing it. It could be the long duration accident, the car pileup, the natural catastrophe. It, you know, works on different timelines. We have to be prepared to be resilient in both. And then the question is, how do you improve your resiliency? And I think I got a solution for you. Let me take a sip of my coffee. This isn't sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee, but I'm a big fan. Um, in fact, I'm such a big fan that I talked to Evan Hafer and got Phil Craft swag and equipment at two Black Rifle Coffees right now. If you're listening to this podcast, um, more likely it hasn't happened yet, but on the 25th of July, I'll be at Black Rifle Coffee doing a seminar uh, at noon, a Survival 101 seminar, and you can go pick up swag and equipment in those Phil, or in those Philcraft Survivals. They're not Philcraft Survivals. They're Black Rifle Coffees, but our stuff is in those shops. We're also in Salt Lake City. Soon we'll be in Clarksville, Tennessee, and we'll be in San Antonio, Texas. So stoked. But every Black Rifle Coffee that's opening, we're rolling out a Philcraft display. If you want to support us or Black Rifle, you have a choice. It's a consumer choice. Uh, I'd go with Black Rifle Coffee because uh, not, not only do I believe in Evan and the mission and the guys, JT and Matt, but I also believe in the product. It's a great product. America's Coffee. That sounded like a commercial, but it's not. It's a partnership, a friendship, more importantly. So here's how I break it out. When you're talking about mindset and resilience, you have to think about yourself. So let's first talk about your self-esteem. Right now, what do you think about yourself? Like if you had to sum up an answer to how do you feel about you? What is that? Just take a moment. Just take a second. You think you're cool. You think you're handsome. You think you're ugly. You think you're beautiful. You think you're fat. You think you're unhappy. What are you? Because that has a lot to do with how we are going to respond or react under stress and catastrophe. Here's what I mean. We have this fascinating system in our um, neuroscience, our brain science, that's been identified as a means to partition the focus in which we see through our senses throughout the day. A little complex, but let me give you my example of this. If you got your cell phone, if you picked up your cell phone right now, and you panned it in 4K, it's ca if it's capable of 1080, whatever it's capable of, the highest video quality, hit record, and pan it around. How long could you do that for? Imagine your eye is the camera in this case. How long could you collect data until it runs out of storage? When well, a cell phone, if you shoot 4K, the cell phone gets hot, it stops recording when the data has overloaded the drive, the ability for it and capacity to hold anymore. And so what do we do? We go and we see something we like and then we record it and then we stop it. It's saved in our hard drive. We could reference it and then we see something else we like. We record it. And that's similar, similarly how that's what a, what a weird word. What a weird way to say that. Um, let's say something comparatively. That is how your brain works. So if you just woke up and your eyes open, which are the camera lenses, and you just start recording in 4K, your brain could not function. It's one of the reasons we sleep eight hours. You should sleep eight hours. If you're not sleeping eight hours with um, 
um, CBD, CBN, Wolf, thewolf21.com, a free plug for my own company. Um, thewolf21.com used Mike Force 15 uh, to save 15%. But if you're not sleeping appropriately, then your hard drive is going to get full faster. So what we do is we go through the world and we create uh, partitions of this focus depending on what we're doing. It's why a lot of us don't have great attention spans in the real world because our attention is so intense on a cell phone. So if we take this example, well, then how does your brain work to map this process? So there's this system in our brain that allows us to navigate our focus and our attention and partition it based on what we want to focus our attention on. And sometimes that starts with a narration or a voice in our head. So, for example, when it relates to self-esteem, if you say, man, I'm always late. You know, I'm, the, I'm just that late guy. I'm always late. I'm that late guy. Then what are you? You're often always late. It's not like the guy who says to himself he's always late isn't late and is 10 minutes early. You are what you believe. So how it works is you create this narration in your head and you're like, I'm ugly, I'm fat, or I'm strong, and I'm healthy, I'm beautiful. And then you go out into the world and as you're partitioning your focus, you pay attention to the things that confirm your bias. So if you say, for example, someone who's religious, most religious people don't go out into the world and say, I'm going to look for counter arguments to my religion. I mean, that would be a deliberate and conscious research case study you have to do. So you go out and you see, oh man, this tragic circumstance happened. You know, these buildings collapsed in Florida, but that one person survived. See, it's a miracle of God or a miracle of my religion or a miracle of my belief. And that reinforces your confirmation bias which creates a belief that you believe. We're just going to take a minute to break from this podcast to recognize one of our sponsors. Guys, this is a company that I really love. It is Athletic Greens. Their website is athleticgreens.com. And if you use the coupon code or if you use our link, athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I travel a lot working at Fieldcraft Survival, teaching courses all around the country, um, getting to explore. Something that I don't like traveling without are my athletic green packets. Now, I've been taking athletic greens now for about three months. I've dropped a lot of weight. I've done some pretty incredible things in the past three months, and I will, God's honest truth, attribute all of that to what athletic greens does for me. I will say that when you drink athletic greens, it's like a light switch. It's getting all of your daily greens in a single bottle. Every single day, my morning starts off with waking up, going over to the fridge, taking my big bag, my bulk bag of athletic greens out. It's one scoop. They send you a bottle. You put the one scoop into the bottle, put some water. I throw a couple ice cubes just to help uh, agitate the powder in the bottom. And then I put it in the refrigerator for a little bit, get it nice and cold. And then I chug that thing straight down. And I feel like my day is complete. I feel like I've done something uh, healthy and I start my day off on the right foot. Please check out Athletic Greens. Um, they're a company that I will continue using for many years to come. Again, the website is athleticgreens.com. If you use the link athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft, you'll get your free one-year supply of vitamin D comes on a little bottle, 
put a couple drops on your tongue, you're good to go, and you're going to get five free travel packs. Please check them out. So it's as easy almost as saying you are what you believe you are. So if we believe we're strong, we go out into the world and we partition our our um, observation and then we collect evidence that we're strong, that becomes your new religion. So what does that mean? What well, means you need to create the narrative in your head that you are the best or that you are confident or that you are on time. Because if you don't, you're going to start breaking down what is the start point to your resilience, your self-esteem. So if you're confident, then you're becoming um, stronger in that resilience, right? You're diversifying, which creates resiliency. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're not confident and you're not confident in your capabilities. And, and it's a pretty broad blanket statement, but you're not confident in your capabilities. How are you going to act when high intensity stress figuratively or literally hits you in the face with a baseball bat. Are you going to fall to the ground? And then are you going to refuse to get up? And are you going to quit? Well, if you don't have any confidence in yourself or your abilities, that's what's going to happen. You're going to lay in the fetal. You're going to be absence or unconscious to what's going on right then and there. And then you'll quit. And that's what we don't need. Quit is not just a ideology. It's not just a concept. There's neuro or brain science behind quitting. So a lot of brain scientists, and let me remind you as a, as a warning here, I am not a neurologist. I've actually been criticized by neurologists and neuroscientist people for saying things wrong. So if I say something that's not scientific, remember, I am a monkey, uh, an advanced primate, a little bit better than a monkey, but I am not a neuroscientist. I have a bachelor's degree in Homeland Security, and I have extensive counterterrorism operations experience and planning experience, but I'm not a neuroscientist. So talking to smarter people than me about this science, I've derived this, you know, this is para-storing here or, or para-repeating, uh, an understanding of what resilience should be in your life. So when we go through different phases of um, our nervous system, we go through parasympathetic and sympathetic responses. When the first phase in this parasympathetic response, which is a part of our ventral um, vagal or vagus nerve, nervous system, it has to do with social engagement. Social engagement is literally what I mean it says. It's socially engaging to gauge whether or not the environment or the person is dangerous or safe. You know, is this a bad guy or is this a good guy? Are we we're identifying friend from foe? And then that perception that we perceive through the environment allows us our, our, our chemical makeup, our physiological makeup to do certain things to be prepared. So... Most people have heard of fight, flight, or freeze. So in fight or flight, which is a sympathetic nervous response, we have a number of things that are taking place physiologically. This includes um, elevated heart rate. This includes 
elevated cortisol and neuroepinephrine and adrenaline, which is neuroepinephrine is another name for it, but it's the, you know, the brain's adrenaline dump. But you have physical adrenaline f- bleeding through your body and elevating your abilities to mobilize, to survive, to live. So in a controlled state or a conscious state, let's just say con- a conscious state, and this isn't scientific, this is just a way of me uh, allowing you to understand it. This is all for your benefit, right? This is meant for you to survive. This is you're driving down the road and you're about to hit a deer and your reaction and the way in which you respond physically increases because of that norepinephrine, that cortisol that allows you to make that fine, fast twitch movement to save your life. That's you walking on a hiking trail and a grizzly bear shaking the brushes and you see his head And then you flee for your life and you're running with that adrenaline pumping through your veins and through your heart, accelerating your movement. So the difference between what we were and now what we are is our environment. We're not very primal. We don't live in a world of chucking spears, right? We don't live outside of our domains, our infrastructure, our urban and rural sprawls. So now we use institutions and construct. So now you have a cell phone that you use to bail yourself out of a bad circumstance. What happens when you get hurt? You don't, you don't fend for yourself and then mend your own wounds. You call a first responder. You dial a cell phone. You communicate the who, what, when, where, and how. And those things are becoming more difficult to do in this state of sympathetic nervous response because of all the things that I just described. So how do you stay conscious? Well, you use your neocortex. You think through problems. You stay cognitive. You breathe. You reduce your stress, right? You use positive affirmation, all of these different things. So here's what I want you to understand in the transition of this sympathetic nervous response and then this parasympathetic response. Let me take another sip. All right, so when you're sympathetic, you can transition into another phase, which is often confused with freeze. So here's the idea. Have you ever seen a lion, a tiger, a bear, chasing, you said it in your head, you said, oh my, chasing the prey? Maybe it's the gazelle, and the gazelle can't outpace the apex predator, and as it's juking, maneuvering left and right, it realizes it can't, and then it does what? It collapses. It collapses in a state of faint, of quit, and when that happens, a bunch of things take place, but why does it happen? Well, scientists, biologists believe that the prey is collapsing and fainting and quitting because it's trying in a last-ditch effort to pretend like it's sick or it's ill or it's injured. And if you're an apex predator and you eat something that's sick, for example, you may get sick and you might die. So the natural evolution has taught us 
not to eat that. You don't eat the dead thing you see just laying around unless you're a scavenger. If you're a predator, if you're a carnivore, you eat and you hunt, but you wouldn't take the chance in a primal circumstance. So if we back it up a little bit and we apply this to human beings, here's something that's different about this um, conceptually and then uh, scientifically and literally. If we think about the concept of the idea, we think, hey, we just check out, we quit, right? But that's not physiological, it's not neurological, it's not biological, but the actual process is. So when that animal quits or faints, a couple things happen. One, their system is flooded with opiates. Why? Because it's trying to disassociate from the physical pain. That's right. Like the literal and physical pain it's about to experience, it has a path to resist that by pumping drugs into its system, natural drugs into its system to make the transition of pain and possibly the transition of life to death less traumatic. There's an interesting book called The Unthinkable, one of my favorite books in survival, up there with Lawrence Gonzalez's Deep Survival. The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley. She talks about the Virginia Tech shooting. And in this Virginia Tech shooting, if you're not familiar, it was a mass shooting that involved uh, over 30 casualties, innocent people that were killed, including the shooter, the lone shooter, who killed himself cowardly. And in this circumstance, she talks about one classroom in particular where one man, one young man in that classroom, fainted his own death. He pretended to be dead. And he got bypassed by the predator. I hate even using the word predator because I, I make predator synonymous with um, things that are good. And I don't think an active shooter who takes innocent lives is good. So let's just call him a coward. So the coward goes student to student, executing one by one. The majority, the overwhelming majority of the victims were shot in the head with a pistol. So he goes person to person, and I'm sorry, this is hard, uh, this is hard to hear, but it's important that you understand this. This one young man faints his own death. He pretends to be dead. The gunman goes student to student, bypasses him, and then leaves the room. He's contemplating these things in hindsight in the conversation. And then he comes back in the room. He bypasses him again. And he shoots every single other person in that again. Killing all of them. Except for him. So when you think about this tragic circumstance. But why did he survive? Well, tactically, he did something naturally he didn't realize what he was doing, by the way, at the time. He didn't do it deliberately. He just did what he did the best of his ability. And so when he was pumping those opiates through his system because he was in a faint state, we associate that with a mindset lapse. But we forget the physiological process. In fact, in Amanda's book, she talks about how at one point he thought he had been shot. Because he tried to move and his legs wouldn't move. The reason his legs wouldn't move is because he had opiates flooding through his system and his legs were numb. 
In fact, part of that physiological process is meant to disassociate the actual trauma in his mind, which is why he only remembers slivers of the information that were coming in in eight millimeter, not 4K, but in eight millimeter. So I want you to think about this for a second. So not only is there a process neurologically affecting our physical bodies to allow us to fight, flight, or freeze, a mobilization process to allow us to fight, flight, or freeze, but there's also another process that allows us to quit. And I feel guilty. I've said this before and I'll say it every single time. I feel guilty. Why? Because I used to educate people on warrior mindset using the Virginia Tech shooting and asking them to think about when was it real? Imagine the person's going person to person executing every single student. When does the person come to the realization that it's real and why aren't they fighting? Why don't they have the warrior mindset? And the answer is they didn't even have the ability to have the mindset because they already checked out. Hey guys, it's Didi and Ricky here to interrupt your podcast with some ads from our wonderful sponsors. Here we go. All right. So Ricky, you might not have known this, but the fish, the salmon that I fed you on our camp out was Wild Alaskan Company. No way. Yes. I am a huge fan. It really works for me. The product comes straight to my house. I select the plan. It takes all of the guesswork out of the fish purchasing experience. They make it super easy online. I personally believe in getting more and more connected mm -hmm. to my food and where it comes from. As you know, I've got a garden, fairly extensive one outside, yes. and I love purchasing local meat and pork. And um, turns out it's kind of difficult to buy local salmon here yeah, in Utah. Yeah, in a landlocked state, I am sure. Well, I, it, it tasted so fresh. It felt like, it tasted like somebody just went and caught it. It was so good. I didn't believe that you had it sent to your house. Yes. Wow. Yep. So Wild Alaskan Company, you, Ricky, and everyone listening <laughs> can right now get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash fieldcraft. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash fieldcraft, F-I-E-L-D-C-R-A-F-T, and for $15 off your first box. Wildalaskancompany.com slash fieldcraft. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you to get some food. Oh, I'm excited. I need to order and grill some salmon. That's right. That's right. And now, guys, back to your podcast. Enjoy. So from the transition from the physical mobilization, they transitioned into the inability, the immobilization tactic of the central nervous system, which, is, which happens to be the dorsal portion of the um, diaphragm and below of the vagus nerve to enact this faint, quit neurological and physical response. That's right. You have it in you. So now let's just break that out. So you have the ability to move, to survive, and you have the ability to quit or to die 
as a last-ditch effort. So where is resilience? It's between the two. How do we prevent ourselves from quitting? Well, it starts with what I told you, this affirmation belief in believing you're better than you actually are. And if you say that in your head, in your mind, and you believe it, then it translates into confidence. And then that will suppress or keep away the bad fainted state. Now, in some cases, in some instances and scenarios, dealing with catastrophe, you don't have a choice. No mindset is going to uh, stop the ship from sinking, the building from burning, the shooter from shooting. So we have to have a plan of action as well. But we, if we understand this resilience, it's critical. It's critical because there are several tactics that I'll go over with you that you could benefit that will lead to a better, more uh, resilient warrior's mindset. So now let's break out um, the understanding of this quit response and what you could do to improve upon it. What we're talking about in catastrophe, by the way, has to do with reaction or not a reaction to stress. Most of this is uh, synonymous with stress, right? You're about to get in an accident. That's stress. It's just an influx of stress. You feel um, torn in your job or your, your workplace or your relationship. That has to do with stress around money, around emotion, around whatever it is. And we, we harvest this stress, but we don't realize that that stress is meant to activate systems to do something about it. But we're just victims to it. One, because we don't understand what's happening. And two, because the only choice we have is just to ride the wave. So let me give you this, um, let me give you this analogy. I use this often in my survival one-on-one courses, but let me give this example. So I have a 1994 Land Cruiser. It's a great car. It's a FZJ Foxtrot Zulu Juliet 80 94 Land Cruiser that all 94 Land Cruisers, all, all gen models of FCJ or even FJ80 Land Cruisers have this issue. Head gaskets blowing because the vehicles are overheating because they eat coolant. So Coolant in a system, in a radiator system, is designed to keep the oil cool, which thus keeps the engine cool to allow it to operate at normal operating temperatures. Any influx in that, and you're potentially looking at too much heat, which blows the physical gasket, a rubber gasket, in between um, the bottom of the vehicle and the top of the vehicle as far as the engine is concerned. So the head literally blows off. Um, and how does this happen? Well, there's a couple indications and symptoms of how this has happened. And I got a point here. I promise I got a point. So imagine you're driving down the road and you're driving my Land Cruiser. Well, you see smoke coming out from underneath the hood, but you know, you're five minutes away from Phil Craft HQ. And so you're like, yeah, yeah, I got this. It's just smoke. No big deal. The car's running fine. It's no big deal. And then you get up into the driveway or the parking lot of Philcraft HQ and the engine makes a pop or a noise that you have never heard before. And then a lot of smoke comes out. You pull over and you done did it. The engine's blown. You blew a head gasket. 
now I got to repair it by sending it off and, you know, getting the guys at Fit Garage to repair it and uh, looking at a $10,000 repair bill. Hopefully you'll hook me up with at least half. But if you take it back, let's take it back six minutes. If you take it back six minutes and you saw the smoke, what if I told you everything about it in diagnosis? What if I said, hey, if you see smoke, go ahead and pull over. So you pull over and you pop the hood. You pop the hood and you realize, oh man, that's not smoke. That's uh, that's water vapor. That's steam. So then you go and you look down at the reservoir that holds the radiator fluid. And you back off and you go in the back of the Land Cruiser and you get that bottle of 50-50 coolant. You come back and you fill it up. You turn it on. You let it idle. The operating temperature goes back down to normal because I showed you where the gauge was so you could diagnose it. You close the hood and you make it to Philcraft HQ, no problems. How did you do that? Well, you did that because you saw the symptoms, but because you understood the diagnostics and what to troubleshoot, you didn't let the engine blow. You didn't blow the head gasket literally or figuratively. So how do we operate with our minds? Often, because we don't know, know better, we ignore all these symptoms that we're dealing with because we don't have any understanding of how the mind works. So we feel the stress. We feel our palms get sweaty. We feel us, ourselves get emotionally you know, angry and, and frustrated. And then what do we do? We allow it to become such a catastrophe that it affects the rest of our lives. Why? Because we didn't know better. But what if you knew all the warning signs, all of the things that drove your physical mind to think, I can't do this anymore. When I was in special operations selection, there were many moments where it was physically challenging. But whenever I hit that wall, I had a solution. There is no quit in me. You know, me and Kyle Lamb on the Mike Force podcast, which you should should subscribe to as well. Kyle Lamb was talking about the guys that he served with who had no quit. And I have no quit in me. I would rather die than quit. And I know that sounds like, man, Mike, that's pretty crazy. But is it? But what's crazier? Willing to understand that I would sacrifice my life before quitting or just being a quitter and failing and quitting and failing and quitting your entire life? Well, I know the answer to that. And if you still need some convincing of that, that's on you. But I would rather die than quit. So when I think about being resilient, it's an established mindset. But if you breathe, if you have good affirmation and you're positive, especially when looking at your own outlook, then what are you going to do when you're getting shot at? What are you going to do when you're hiding under the, de- the desk? Are you going to hide under the desk? Or are you going to fight? Are you going to stay on your feet? Now, one of the things that um, people fail to understand about resiliency is when people quit or fail, why do they do that? Well, a lot of the times it's because they don't have a solution for the problem that's presented. Like, what do you do when you're in your workplace in an office and you hear gunshots? 
What do you do when you're driving your vehicle and a car flips in front of you and then you flip behind it and you're airborne upside down in a ditch, hanging from your seatbelt, bleeding out of your femoral artery? And, and look, I don't want to present the doom and gloom, but I want you to think about the worst case scenario and the question, what do you do? Well, if you don't know what to do because you've never had the conversation, you've never sourced solutions for presented problems, then you're just going to be the victim. Hopefully you're still alive to present a case afterwards of understanding this and making a change. But most often people are not. I'm very surprised at the number of accidents in the millions that take place every day and every year in this country, including vehicle accidents. 30 to 40,000 people die every single year, 100 a day. And I think about like, man, what if those people were trained in defensive driving? What if they were trained in stopping their own bleed? What if they were trained in uh, stress? What if they understood their own diagnostic and symptoms, identified those things before they became a catastrophe and trained them. I had a women's course recently with uh, Amber, Miss Amber L on uh, Instagram. She works for us. She does our LMS or learning management system that has to do with online virtual learning, which is amazing. You can go to wethepreparedcom and start that. Start that journey. We only have a couple courses up now, but we're filling up the curriculum to get ready for the book launch next year so that we can have an academy, an institution of learning for all things preparedness. Hey guys, it's Dee Dee and Ricky here to interrupt your podcast with a few ads from our lovely sponsors. First, we're going to start off with Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Turns out there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I personally have tried using Headspace, but I've used it with my kids. So the summer routine gets them all off kilter and nighttime bedtime routine ends up becoming like kind of a little bit of a cluster, if you know what I mean. But Headspace has a kids option or a few kids options that has really helped them get to sleep. Um, the one that's coming up a lot lately is their monsters in the closet and they actually have a meditation specifically for that. Oh, that's so cute. Monster free meditation, I think <laughs> it's is what it's called. So Poppy has been absolutely loving that. Um, on the more adult side of things, if you're feeling over overly stressed and you have 10 minutes, they have different um, options for you to try to just get your mind right. Yeah, I know it helps me feel happier, healthier, and a lot more present in my everyday life. You deserve to feel happier too. And Headspace is the meditation that is made simple. Um, if you guys want to check it out, go to headspace.com slash fieldcraft. That's headspace.com slash fieldcraft for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash fieldcraft today. Awesome. Get your mind right. <laughs> now you're headed back to the podcast, guys. Enjoy. Bye. So what what are you doing in preparation? Are you preparing? Are you rehearsing? Are you conversing? So I want you to be prepared. So if you're preparing in advance as a prerequisite, 
and you're understanding this information, you already have a solution to your problem. Right out the gate. Right out the get-go. So what I tell people is training as a protocol is part of this process. But understanding how you respond and react under stress is too. So during this course, we're sitting there and I do a scenario where I walk these ladies through a, a communicated scenario. Often in the communicate scenario, I get people go, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. What's that up to you? You have to understand as a law-abiding citizen, you're reacting off of what bad people are doing potentially to you. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you need to be a victim or poorly reactive. It means you need to have a plan and be proactive in your reaction, which is offensive. Like not offensive in a bad way, but I mean offensive like an offensive mindset, a warrior mindset. So I go through this protocol with them and then at one point I say something that triggers all of them to potentially use deadly force. So they make the decision, they raise their hand, they sit on the ground, whatever it is, and they all did it together. And I said, why did you choose to do that? You first and you second and you third. And they all had different answers. You know why? Because our experiences determine the trigger points in us to make decisions. So if you're somebody who's been a victim of trauma, you might be more likely to use deadly force. But on the same token, on the flip side of that, you could be a, uh, somebody who's been exposed to trauma and be a victim all the time because you're not willing to do anything because it puts you in a fight, flight, or freeze in this case state, or maybe even a faint state where you don't move. So it means that we're not created equal in this sense of preparedness. Because we have different backgrounds, different experiences, different aptitude. And so how do we improve our abilities to survive? It starts with inoculation. It starts with learning the technical skills is easy to do, by the way. Teaching you how to use a pistol, teaching you how to use a concealed carry firearm, that's all easy. What's more difficult is inoculating the stress in a realistic scenario and determining what technical skills you have wrong. Where are your weaknesses? That's how you validate. That's how you really assess your actual skill sets. Dude, I've seen special operators, the best in the world, laying in the fetal, scared for their lives. Whatever that trigger was, it was met and it put them in that position. But you're talking about the most technically and tactically proficient human beings on the planet. And they're laying in the fetal. So we all have these triggers and we're not created equal. So we need to train and we need to stress inoculate to become better on top of affirmation. You know, on top of breathing, on top of managing stress, because that's how we will truly get conditioned to create an actual warrior's mindset. A warrior's mindset, by the way, has to always routinely be exposed. Even the most significant warriors in the history of civilization have, need, have been tested and have gotten complacent, have gotten relaxed. I see it in my own behaviors and my own habits. Sometimes I go out to my Land Cruiser and I realize I don't have my concealed carry and I'm like, oh, I'll just blow it off. But I have to fight to get back and go, dude, it only requires you 30 seconds to go back in the house, get your concealed carry and, and wear it. 
oh, I don't know if I want to, you know, take this first aid or CPR course. It only takes you a second to make the decision, I'm going to do that. But we're lazy. We love to be complacent because it's a luxury of freedom and security. So we have to constantly fight it. And I want you to fight that habit. A lot of people are lazy because we're, we don't want to get up and have to work for it. 2022, I'll let the cat out of the bag for Phil Craft Survival is going to be focused on physical fitness. Why? Because on top of your mindset, which is important, your physical conditioning is one of the foundations of being better prepared. So if you're not focused on your body, you're not building your mind. So if you haven't noticed, this is a holistic approach. It's not one specific tactic or technique that's going to make you better, more resilient, and have a better mindset. So what's something that you could do right now? Change your behaviors. Your life is designed in scripts and models. The actions of the script, the models, the environment. And every time you wake up and you do the same things you always do, ask yourself, what are you doing? Or better yet, ask yourself, what are you not doing? Like myself, I like to work out um, every single day because it's important for me for my mental and physical health. But for a period of time, I didn't do it. Why? Excuses. Now I have to make the time to build the habit. And when you build a great habit over time, you'll get a result that's, that looks something bet, like better. But if you build a bad habit you won't see the result because you won't pay attention to it until it's too late. Like obese people routinely um, tell people that I don't know how I got here. You know why? Because they instituted the wrong habits and days turned into weeks, turned into months, and turned into years. And before you know it, they're going, how the hell did I get here? Well, when you're unconscious and you're just living through habits and routines, which means you're not deliberately focused on what's going on, then you're going to be a victim of your own routine, of your own habit in routine. So create good habits right now. Let me walk you through some of mine. I wake up. I don't check myself on immediately. Sometimes I do. But I wake up and I try to take a while to bring in the day. I spend time with family, I drink coffee, I read a book, and then I'll start my day. I'll have a plan every single day to do some kind of physical activity. Hiking, biking, rucking, lifting, something physical. Most often, I look at content as a way to break the monotony and educate, which brings me endorphins, which makes me happy. So I'm focused on that. Sometimes before I go to bed, I'm focused on that. And then I uh, think about it when I wake up. And then I start to hone in those uh, ideas and I communicate them. At night, I like to unwind, um, but I, I break my fast at about noon. I don't eat in the morning. Why? Because I like to be <laughs> hypoglycemic. Just kidding. But I like to be, I like to be uh, fasted. And my brain works well with a little bit of caffeine, no carbohydrates, and I get a lot accomplished in the morning. I start to eat, and then I start to uh, break down a little bit. So as the evening approaches, I like to transition and do the, do the same thing I did in evolving up or scaling up. I like to scale down. So I like to stare at um, you know, permaculture books or 
permaculture videos or gardening videos or preparedness videos and just get in a, a vegetative state. It's actually a, a neurological state called theta um, and, and alpha. Because when you're in a theta and alpha, you're streaming information and it's a good state to be in for creativity, but also for learning. So when I'm in that state, when I transition to the night, I, I stop getting on my phone. Because the blue light, the, the light that comes off your phone, the LCD display, is not good for sleep. I don't eat sugar uh, past a certain window because I don't want to spike my insulin and, and cause myself to stay up with um, too much sugar in my bloodstream. And then as it gets closer to the night, I take CBN, CBD, um, powered by slumber, the Wolf 21, which is mycompany.com. You guys could get that CBD and CBN. I take it every night. Because I deal with ailments and pain. I have a little bit of uh, pain I deal with because of injuries while on active duty, including chronic back pain. But that helps me. And then I get a good night's rest. For me, six solid hours of sleep. Um, I try to stay in bed for seven hours, but I'm not always sleeping. That helps me. That is building a mindset by allowing my physical routines to optimize my performance which, by the way, will benefit your mental performance. I like to eat healthy. I don't put garbage in my body. Whole foods is what I do. I'm not crazy about any fad diets. I just eat whole foods. If it's not natural and it's in a cardboard box, I'm likely not going to eat it. But if it's a natural whole food, um, I'm getting nutrition, which means vitamins and minerals, but also the essential fats, proteins, and carbohydrates that I need. This is a holistic approach to mindset. I wanted to concentrate the discussion on that because it's so, so important. So many people deviate from mindset because it's confusing. It's cool to wear the t-shirt, have the bumper sticker, talk about it, but what are we really talking about? So I hope that helped, guys. The Phil Craft Survival Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Please leave. Uh, you don't leave thumbs up on a podcast. You leave stars. Please leave your five-star review. Give us a little feedback. And then tell your buddies. Send it if you found value out of this to other people. Look, I've been doing this forever. I love it. I have a passion for it. But I want to spread the word. All things preparedness. We will be better off the better we are prepared. We have wethepreparedcom and members.americancontingency.com or just americancontingency.com. Till next time. Stay alert, stay alive.